here today with <laughs> Miss Informational, Rebecca Jones. How are you doing? Good. And this is actually our first podcast episode from where I am, at least, from Maryland. I have fled the state of Florida um, and have relocated to the greater D.C. metro area. And um, we missed last week because I was buried in boxes. And um, yeah, and it was crazy trying to get anything done here, moving here July 4th weekend, um, because so many people come here that weekend. Glad that there were no terrorist attacks on the Capitol. Last time I moved here was January 5th, 2021. So that was a very exciting time. I lived like four miles from the White House. So yeah, nothing happened. Fingers crossed, knock on wood that that continues. But um, it's, it's, it's nice being away. Uh, we launched the trailer and the Kickstarter campaign for the documentary film that we've been working on for years. Um, originally planned to do that in June, but I didn't feel safe doing that still living in Florida. So we waited until right after I got out and it's live and you can go to Kickstarter, search Rebecca Jones Whistleblower, or go to any of my social media pages, any of Josh Fox. He's the Academy Award nominated Emmy winning director who's behind it. Um, and the link is there. Watch the trailer, share the trailer. And um, it's pretty powerful stuff and um, supports there because we are nearing the end of the project and really want to finish this up in the next couple months. Yeah, that's great. And we'll make sure that this that information gets into the show description here as well. I do just want to say um, a few things on this. First of all, definitely check out the movie trailer. It's awesome. It's amazing. And if everybody who watches it just contributes a dollar or two, we're going to get across the finish line. They just are asking for what, $60,000 to finish the film. It's being produced through a nonprofit organization. So this is a really important piece of storytelling that I think we need to have heard on top of the fact that it's our host here at Big Mouth Media, Rebecca Jones. So let me just say that one plug. Yeah, and, and um, I'll be plugging this thing every single day till August 4th. If we don't meet the $60,000 goal, the way that Kickstarter works, you don't get any of the money that you raised. We originally had, I think, a $2 million budget for this film. Um, that was when we started in early of 2021. Uh, we did not anticipate all the twists and turns that have occurred since then. Mm -hmm. and um did not anticipate doing this for over two and a half years so you know that budget ran out a long time ago and we're we're really just at the last stretch now but let's get into other stuff that's going on in the world say oh, one more thing though one more thing i just want to highlight and i think because you and i both are um we, we are like fighters and we're trying to just like get on and like move on with our life but i want to shine a spotlight on the fact that you literally just fled Florida for the life and safety of your family and just how fucked up that is like that, that you were in that position, even though you're, 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 you're surviving, you're thriving, you're trying to get through your life. We should not in the United States of America have to be compelled to leave our home because of state persecution. And I, I think we need to call that out, call that a spade, a spade, a spade, what it is and let people know just the seriousness about it. We're, we're super grateful that Rebecca has made it out and has found a place of safety and comfort. But 
I think the worry of all of us as we're watching this and listening to it and watching this drama unfold in front of us is that this can happen to someone else, the next whistleblower, the next person who stands up. And Rebecca has taken the courage and the time to put herself on the line to try to prevent this from coming and happening again in the future. So I just, I want to just take a moment for everybody who listens to us, to this podcast and who's been following the story to, to realize the magnitude of what, what that is. I mean, Rebecca's saying it in a very like, Hey, I fled Florida. And like, she's, she's happy and, and trying to live her life, but it, it should never have come to this. I think is what we need to recognize here. And, and just another little kudos to Rebecca for putting herself on the line for freedom yeah. and democracy. I think sometimes I forget that like none of this is normal, um, that these kinds of things don't normally happen. And so I, I kind of, it was funny because when we were going over all the interviews that they did for the initial whistleblower investigation, one of the, my colleagues said that when I told her about what was happening, she wasn't sure how serious I was because I said it in such a like blase, I think was the way she, she phrased it. She was like, but she said it in such a blase way that I wasn't sure if she was serious. That's literally what she said. And because I kind of was like, well, you know, they asked me to change the numbers and not really sure what to do and probably about in that tone. And um, that, you know, so that predates my like, famous attitude on things, but I, I do tend to have this attitude of, well, this shit happened and, you know, that's life and move on. Um, and then this film will document just how I think I've adapted that personality approach to problems, just because after, you know, your whole life is a problem, there's one thing after the other, you're kind of like, hey, guess what bullshit happened today? Um, yeah. But yeah, the, it is, it is extreme. Uh, nothing surprises me anymore. I mean, they tried, they got me kicked off Twitter for sharing the Miami Herald story in 2021 that basically outlined how everything that I said in, in my complaint was true and that there were emails to prove it. Um, there were sworn affidavits to prove it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, waited until after the election to dismiss the case from the raid. And um, then, you know, a week after we filed our lawsuit, came after my kid. Mm -hmm. and, um, so it's just, it, it's, it feels surreal at times and yeah. I even underappreciate how extreme it is. Yeah. And I know, and that's what I, I, that's why I wanted to point it out and highlight it because, because it is, you're, you're, you're coping, <laughs> like you're moving through it. And I think when we look back and we recount it, and I think the movie is going to really help to highlight this, um, these are very outstanding historic events that a wannabe dictator is perpetrating against somebody who is a state employee just trying to do their best to preserve public health. And it needs to be called out because um, it is it is dangerous. And it, it, it it's very indicative of what you would get if Ron DeSantis has any more power than he already has. And we need to call it out. We need people to understand it too. And we need it to combat the smear campaigns that are happening around it that try to discredit Rebecca Jones because what happens very commonly in these type of situations is the attacks and even the feeling, like you said, is based on the person. So they're looking at Rebecca Jones today. And so she's going, 
oh, I just had to flee this day. Oh, I just had to, to change the numbers. She's doing that as like a human being who's having to deal with extraordinary circumstances. And then because it's true, people are trying to discredit her in other ways. And so they're trying to put it back on the person rather than looking at the totality of the story of what is really happening. And, and that's the common tactic with whistleblowers in general. Um, if you can destroy the whistleblower, you destroy the truth with them um, because, you know, it's like killing the messenger type approach to things as, as long as the person who's telling the truth is questionable or even suspect then the truth doesn't really matter and you know this film is less about the specifics of what i came forward with um quite reluctantly and that's of course been documented so well by the miami herald and the washington post and all of these other outlets and more about a question of who we trust with the truth who we believe and why you know, there I was like mid management store within my academic, you know, niche, but to the outside world, that's nothing. Um, you know, I was very successful. I won lots of awards academically. I was, you know, promoted to manager and took over like less than a year after getting hired there. And um, I created this thing that was this, you know, national phenomena and wildly successful and praised by even Trump's administration. And then there was the governor. And so when you have, you know, nerdy, nobody, nerdy, nobody should be my like next tattoo governor <laughs> who people believe in why, um, is a very interesting discussion and what the very much real impacts of that are on the people, not, not just me, the people around me. Um, so much of this film is about the toll that it took on people around me. And um, my family is obviously, but you know, my parents and my my sisters and friends and you know, a lot of people in the Democratic Party make appearances <laughs> who you know were involved before they became big Democratic Party people, like Dan Oldfelder, and um, you know, others who have have stood up and faced this kind of wrath too. And I've learned through all of this, anytime I see a person take on an institution, I am just naturally gravitating towards believing that person because mm -hmm. the risks involved with standing up to, especially conservative figures it, are so severe that anybody who has even the slightest clue, as naive as I was, of what they're standing up against would have to be absolutely insane to right. do that. <laughs> why would you, you torpedo your whole life is what it comes down to, right? And I think that people don't really fully understand that. That like, yeah, you're you you don't just do this like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna stand up and be famous. No, it's like it's it's destroying your whole life and everything around you. So you're taking a huge risk by stepping forward. And I don't think I know a single whistleblower who wanted to be famous. Um, you know, I know Tyler Schultz really well. And he does not have a very big public persona. He was the Theranos whistleblower, which is one of the topics that's trending right now um, because the psycho behind uh, Theranos, which was the fraudulent blood testing uh, company that scammed millions and millions of dollars and put people's lives in jeopardy, just managed to get two years shaved off of her 10 year sentence and nobody knows why, uh, which sounds about white, but um, Tyler was the one who officially filed the complaint and he would actually have dinner with his friends. He told me once 
And they would be talking about the Theranos whistleblower who, because he remained anonymous for some time. He had that, that privilege and that choice. And he said he wouldn't like chime in and he'd be listening to people fight about him. People that were his friends that he worked with, who knew him, who loved him fighting about him and whether or not he was telling the truth and, and what it all meant right in, in his own living room. And because he was still anonymous and hadn't told anybody because he was so afraid, um, they had no idea it was him. And so, you know, it's, it really does uproot your life. And of course, I wasn't given a choice about coming forward. DeSantis just outed me in front of the vice president to the whole world. I hadn't given an interview. I hadn't said anything. I especially had not involved DeSantis, which to me was the biggest surprise because my fight was with the Department of Health. Politicians go to politic. I, that's to be expected. The Department of Health is an agency that's supposed to have the best interests of public health in mind. Mm -hmm. Now that seems ridiculous, especially considering who we appointed to head it, um, that, that we wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked at all. But at that time, that's where the fight was. And, um, you know, Dan Ellsberg obviously was drug through all of it. Um, Alexander Vindman did not want to have to come forward. You know, he was drug out because he filed this complaint and wanted to remain anonymous, but wasn't going to happen. And so, you know, it's, we know like what's going to happen if, if we become people we will become the story instead of right. what we're trying to say. And uh, everyone in is, flawed and human and some of us more flawed than others and i always kind of go back to this example of you know there's no, no infallible person if I, I had to take an example of a person who, who had you know a stellar career a lot of respect accomplishment just i dropped out okay uh complete reverence for it'd be alexander vindman in mm -hmm. an unimpeachable career, uh, devotion to service, it did everything the way he was supposed to do his entire life, did not want the attention, and did something because he truly felt like there were lives on the line and there was a potential, you know, conflict. Shocking that it turned out that that was right. And now there was an invasion and a war and, you know, mass genocide in Ukraine by the Russians. Um, because he had to. And even someone like that, are you cutting out or is that just me? Uh, it's you and you're kind of frozen. You're kind okay, of frozen. Video just keeps drunk. We'll see. Okay. We'll see how it looks um, in the end. Anyways. So I was going to say too. So <laughs> yeah. the, um, the, 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 pro, the other thing that I want that. to highlight, like you're saying like, so Alexander Vindman has this, he's an unimpeachable and they still were able to say things about him. I think people need to realize that these trolls and the people who want to cut down and discredit whistleblowers will just make shit up. Like absolutely hundred percent make shit up. Even if it's like political operatives of any kind, people who are standing up. Jennifer Jenkins was one of the speakers at the Florida democratic uh, gala this past weekend. She is a school board member in Brevard County. She unseated the woman who went on to start moms for Liberty. Okay. They've since then run a massive smear campaign against her, including false reports to, you know, Child Protective Services, um, you know, straight up calling her a, a pedophile. I mean, she's a mother of a young child. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous things. But they say it and people say it to discredit them. And I just I think it's important to, to 
point that out to people because sometimes when you get these little bits of a story, if you're not following along the whole time, it can be easy to just discredit that person until you realize that that's the point and that these things are coming out you know, on purpose to try and discredit people. And they don't even necessarily have to be based in fact or reality at all. Yep. And of course, every Democrat's now a rumor, so you can expect to be called that no matter what. Um, right. You know, and it's, it's, it's true with this in a lot of ways. It's like the true with fundraising as well. Like if I were to have started a GoFundMe after everything happened and I raised no money, they would use that as proof to say, see, nobody believes her, nobody supports her, otherwise they'd be giving her money. But if you do raise money, then you're you're a lying grifter and you're ripping people off. So there, for a lot of these people, there is no way to win. It was actually David Hogg who kind of helped shake this for me when I, I met him in DC with Jack. Um, because I was like, I'm tired of being accused of like taking money and buying mansions and shit. Cause that was a rumor that was started when I moved was that I bought a huge mansion somewhere in Virginia with the GoFundMe money that mostly went to my lawyers. And um, I actually turned over my bank statements, individual interactions to a reporter from Florida today to verify that that did not happen. Now, most people would never do that because he definitely did see how much I was ordering and take out um you know with crappy like sandwich shops but whatever but i did that because i felt like i have to clear my name on this and you know i was meeting with david he was like no you don't look you you know what's right you have allies who know what's right you don't have to turn over your financial transactions to a reporter because some nobody on the internet accused you of buying a mansion in virginia where you don't and never have lived and he was like, you are giving these people your attention, your, your, your stress, uh, when they're just going to, if you debunk that, they're going to make up something they're else. They're going to make up a new one. And I mean, there were a lot of crazy things that were completely made up over the years <laughs> that I actually spent a lot of time and energy, like the me buying mansions in Virginia thing, um, trying to combat before I got around enough people who were like, you have to stop doing that because you did it with the mansion thing. And then um, I was suddenly, you know, I bought a new brand new car um, or something, you know, like that. Right. And of course, then I was like, I only own two vehicles and one's a 2015 like manual window because that's how poor I was at the time, you know, Versa. And, you know, the other one is the one I got at DOH that I'm still paying off, you know, so it's, they were like, it's never going to stop. Yeah, it, it's to waste your fucking time too. And that's the point. It's like they're trying and to waste your time. That, so, I'm not doing other things. Right. To keep on your message. And and frankly, a lot of that shit is projection. I mean, shit, Madison Cawthorn, who got fired from Congress, has no fucking job, bought a half a million dollar house a, across the river from me with no fucking explanation of how or why that is. Well, so, yeah, that happens. well, see, well, the thing is now is like, you know, I we're doing the Kickstarter campaign, which goes directly to the nonprofit film production studio mm -hmm. to pay the editors and, and all of the production people money. Um, and I had the GoFundMe, which I'm still using to pay the expenses of moving because it's hell of expensive to move across the country. I mean, the U-Haul alone with gas was like 1500 bucks. But, um, you know, it, it's. I'm being accused of, you know, oh, unemployed. I'm not unemployed. I have a job. I've been working since April, but I'm not going to start telling people where I work because then those people are going to get attacked. 
um, and they're going to have to deal with harassment just because they hired me. And so it's, it is, it's like a constant trap. Something as simple, simple to debunk as calling me unemployed, I'm not going to do, even though I might be tempted to otherwise, because I don't want other people to be put in harm's way. And that, and the fact is, is that this is a Twitter universe problem. This yeah. is not a mainstream media problem, you know, because my allies at Washington Post, at the New York Times, at the Miami Herald, at Florida Today, at USA Today, at Time, are all still there and we talk all the time. You know, they cover stories when something happens and they do it right. Um, this is not a Instagram problem. You don't see these people right. on Instagram. You don't see them on Facebook. Right. You don't see them on TikTok. This is a Twitter specific problem mm -hmm. because there's no content moderation because they enable people to use tools like TweetDeck, which allow you to mass stalk people who have blocked you. No matter how many times you block these people, they're gonna still show up on my threads. Um, you know, no moderation of accounts that are used for targeted harassment, abuse, bullying, all that kind of stuff, unless you target, you know, Elon Musk and then you're banned for life. And uh, Twitter is not even a top 10 social media network in the world. I think it fell from 35 to 40 last week with the launch of threads, um, which I'm not so thrilled about because let's face it, Mark Zuckerberg had a hand to play in the 2016 election as well. I will never join Blue Sky just because Jack Dorsey is the reason that we are in all this mess with Twitter to begin with and has also had a hand in 2016 and the January insurrection, which to me in many ways is worse, um, that they it was basically being planned on Twitter and Twitter was aware of it and did nothing. Um, not to mention all of the ongoing harassment that they never did anything about. And so it's it's not even a top platform. And yet this whole smear is pretty much just occurring there, and, except for alt-right media. Um, and then Mark Caputo, who got fired for fabricating stories at MSNBC and still can't let that go. I was like, sorry, dude, maybe if you hadn't obsessively like followed me after MSNBC told you to stop um, three times. <laughs> and fabricated stories you wouldn't have gotten canned in less than a year but whatever but even the things that are trending and this comes back to kind of more to what we're talking about on this series in the real world are not the same things that are trending on twitter so we've talked in the past about how tools were developed and there are no longer available because elon screwed over their api and public no he banned by fentanyl and any given day half of them were just fake they were either crypto crap, uh, which was a every single day, or hashtags and trends that were forwarded by inauthentic accounts or troll farms or bots. And even today, I'm, uh, right now up on the screen, I have what is trending on Google. So what people are searching for versus what's trending on Twitter. And there's almost no overlap. And because what people are actually interested in are not the things that people are talking about on Twitter. And uh, there's a, there's some overlap, things like Amazon Prime Day, I think was trending on both at one point, uh, which is interesting. The Powerball, you know, popped up. But um, yeah. people, what do Americans really care about? Let's get down to this. They well, want to win the lottery Powerball and go shopping. Now three of the top 10 trending topics on Google, because people are like, who's going to win that fucking Powerball? Um, but then there's a lot of other subjects that people are really actually interested in and uh, are trending, like the UPS strike. Um, now we know that certain somebody is not very pro-union or pro-labor, so the UPS strike is not 
anywhere in the top trending issues for Twitter, even though it's one of the biggest searches right now on Google. And that's because Twitter is an altered state of reality where you can, where un, inauthentic people or accounts can shape conversation and manipulate the platform, which was supposed to be a, a big no-no, and um, make people think that there are ideas or concepts that are more or less popular than what they are in reality. And um, that's dangerous. It's, it's And the reliance of reporters on Twitter is what right. makes it especially dangerous. Mm -hmm. Well, because it used to be a little bit different, right? There used to be a good way to kind of see what people are talking about. But I will tell you just a few experiences that I've had recently with Twitter that makes me really point out that it's it's a piece of shit too. Um, one of them is that I've now several times tried to post the uh, Big Mouth Media t-shirt that says fuck DeSantis and it will not let me post it. And it doesn't matter what I put because it's, it's got, it's got like F like in a little thing, you CK or CK uh, DeSantis in the URL and it will not post it. So that's like, I'm like, why is it like not letting me post it? And that's why. Um, and uh, so that's just something people should know. I will also say, if you want to find out um, the trending is one thing, but the one that says like for you, that will actually give you more information that you are used to using. So like I always get Florida politics stuff. I have a page for an environmental page. I get environmental stuff on that section. So you get, a, if you are looking at specific things, those can be a little bit more tailored to you. And definitely there's always things that pop up there that are definitely not on the trending side. Uh, the other thing I would point out is that how I was verified on Twitter, like legitimately verified as a candidate before. They stripped that away eventually. And over the last year or so since Elon Musk took over, my tweets in general have been like, like nothing, getting no traction whatsoever. And until this past week, and that was because I had posted something about Ron DeSantis's wife. And it started off like it was positive, okay? But then I kind of like cut up her, you know, <laughs> just, and just later on. But that was the first tweet that I'd had gone viral in a super long time. And I think it was because they were obviously promoting positive, you know, what they thought were positive tweets about Casey DeSantis. So there's, they've now just manipulated it in the opposite direction, I think is, is the story to be told about Twitter today. Yeah, and, and I mean it's the the dog piling is incredibly effective as well. Mm. Um, so as soon as Josh and I discussed whether or not we were going to like turn off the ability for people we don't follow to comment when we started posting, but he thinks it's hilarious, and so he wants to print T-shirts with the worst of it. So he's kind of like inviting it and egging it on. Um, I'm usually of the opinion just block and forget these fucking people exist, but. Um, yeah, I'm somewhere in between you two. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, I'm absolutely like, well, you can hide and block in a single click. So that's like the easiest thing. The world's like, blip, 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 just buy. Um, I don't need any of that toxicity in my life. And I'm certainly not going to introduce it into anybody else's. And I have zero time for bullshit. Um, most platforms respect that you're allowed to create the space that you want within their yeah. experience. That's part of the appeal. Not Twitter. If you block somebody, they're still going to show up. Um, which is not at all bad for things like sexual harassment or, you know, stalking, but whatever. But, um, when people post something, it used to be like the ratio mattered. 
Like if you got real people that were just dogging you for saying something shitty, um, I would just be like, oh shit, I guess this was in bad taste. You know, like, sorry guys, you're right. I'm wrong. Now the ratio means nothing because it's just like the same 10 people posting like five different times. And if they have a blue check, that's like even worse now. Nobody pays attention to those fucking people. It's almost like you're asking to get blocked. Um, even though you kind of need it now to get visibility and I'm half tempted, like we've got one month to fundraise. I'm like, maybe I should just pay for it for a month, boost all of our visibility and then cancel it afterwards. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, now the ratio is just full of bots and trolls. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, but his is, his tweet was, there are some entertaining things. I was called like a predator, a sexual predator at one point. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, where's somebody accused me of, um, stealing and publishing Floridians private health data, which is a weird story that never happened. And I was like, oh, so we're doing the like, just, you know, buzzword spaghetti at the wall again. See what sticks. Okay. Let's which new stories are we going to make up this time guys? You know, by the end of this, I'm sure I'll be in the basement of a piece of pizza parlor that's connected to the Senate building by tunnels and drinking the blood of innocent children in this vampire cult, which is something yeah. I've been accused of, of doing. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'll say what's so bizarre is this whole pedophile thing is like they'll they'll throw they'll lob it at anybody. I said they, they lobbed it at, you know, the school board member. It's been lobbed at me a ton of times. And I'm just like, I. I think what they do is like they know it's so offensive that it riles people up, right? But at this yeah. point, it's like you're just saying it's like calling somebody a communist now, too. It's like it doesn't have any meaning whatsoever. It's what just this way. I was like, oh, you're a communist? Okay, I don't give a shit. It's like you're a capitalist to me. That's like way worse, but whatever. It's like, let's, let's go down the, you know, name you as a fascist. And that, that for some reason was never a dirty word the way communist was. And now people are like, Conservatives are embracing being fascists, um, mm -hmm. but you know yeah, the, the Proud Boys love going full fash. I don't know. That sounds sexual and gross. It is. Anyway, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think it goes full fash all the way to prison. <laughs> yeah, right. None of these people are ever going to go to prison. It's Some of them have not the well, important. The people who like broke into the Capitol and wanted to try to kill people, yes, but the people who sent them there, not really. Not yet. Um, not yet. And the damage that they've been able to inflict in the two and a half years since that happened, you know, continues to erode the yep. foundations of democracy and undermine our electoral process and create aid and so division in some of the most radical and extreme sects of American populace. But, you know, whatever. Take your time. It's a process, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was a process for them. But for me, you know, a week within filing my lawsuit, my son is arrested for sharing memes. And so there's, there's, we definitely, when they're talking about tiers of justice, there's not just two, there's many, there's many, many tiers. There's the poor tier, there's the non-white tier, there's the woman tier, there's, you know, your politically connected tier, you're obviously, you know, all of the different things, but being on the bad side of conservatives in a conservative run state is its own tier. And um, it's ruthless and it's vicious. And no one can talk about the weaponization of law enforcement in this country without mentioning DeSantis. And mm -hmm. uh, I think we discussed this at one point, but there is a, a request for a congressional inquiry into that. Um, I printed that out and framed it, and I don't know what I did with it. But when I find it, it will be hanging up along with my, let's see, which way do I go? Whistleblower designation letter that's right there. Um, so... Perfect. 
it's been a spell. And uh, we ended up sidetracking and not talking so much about disinformation, but that's okay because the analysis tools that it's we the disinformation that. stuff, it's it's put forth for a purpose. You know, it's it's right back to the beginning of discrediting people for specific means or for specific yeah. reasons. Yes. And you know, it's um it's rough because we oftentimes forget that there are people behind all of this like alex and his wife rachel vinman you know are people who lived relatively quiet lives before all of that happened or you know tyler uh before elizabeth holmes sent people to basically follow him and he was afraid he was going to get killed and you know i think one of those people ended up killing themselves one of the theranos people that they had followed so it's she should be in prison for the rest of her life and she got a 10-year prison sentence or 11 and apparently has had two years shaved off and had this ridiculously fluffy, and I want to say it was New York Times uh, profile piece about how she's trying to turn over a new leaf. She's changed her last name and changes how you, she wants you to refer to her and her first name too. And um, I remember I was quite outraged about that. And now she's trending again. And um, she must have gotten one of those bot farms. She, you know, like that kid that we talked about, you know what? She might have. Um, if you haven't been following, we did an episode, an apolitical episode right. months ago about a kid who killed a woman and her child in a kind of street racing um, accident in Tampa. And um, it was a young kid. I think he was 18 or 19 years old, yes, convicted of both. Um, and he bought a social media basically flood campaign to try to make people feel positive things about him while he was in prison for his appeal, specifically to like basically preemptively create favor in his community for his appeal right. of his very harsh sentence. Uh, well, I guess harsh is a subjective term. term. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> but it was, I mean, it didn't have anything to do with politics. It was literally about how a person can just go shopping and say, Hey, I want a PR, you know, package that does makes me good again and pay lots of money. And he did raise a lot of money doing it too, which is kind of the icky part of that. Um, and you should go back and listen to that because it's very interesting. I think Elizabeth Holmes, who's again, a very much an apolitical figure, um, did the same thing. And, and, and Johnny Depp, the whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing was part of that conversation well, that too. That became highly political because it had gender identity and politics at the center of it it was really a incel type triggering men's rights thing so it, they politicized that on purpose when really it was a case of harassment retaliation and abuse and even the verdict of that was so the the range of representation to me was absolutely mm -hmm. insane i think we did an episode on that earlier this year i'm not sure because most of that happened um before we started this podcast but the essential gist of it is, is that both of them were awarded damages for defamation. Amber Heard won her trial in the massive settlement in England. That verdict still stands. Johnny Depp did appeal it and lost that appeal. The verdict in the United States case was mixed. It was not entirely in favor um, of Johnny Depp, which was not something that was portrayed because Johnny Depp paid $50 million dollars to have positive news and fake stories planted about Amber Heard. And the whole case was about how she once wrote an op-ed, which did not name him, by the way, which is usually a requirement for a defamation case in the United States. 
is that you have to be identified. And she talked about being abused as a child too, which had nothing to do with Johnny Depp and other directors who had, you know, hit on her during the height of the Me Too movement and uh, said that her, this person had threatened her and said they would ruin her career, that they would kill her in the press, that they would, you know, smear her, defame her, use everything that they had in their power to attack her. And that's exactly what he fucking did during the defamation trial in which he's saying he never said that. So it's, it's very extreme. There are, that one was a little bit more political, but like, right. But it was, it was still an example. This thing. Um, she was basically a, a capitalist fraud who ripped off a lot of really rich, powerful people promising a test that they could not deliver. She was extremely ruthless. She ruined the lives of her scientists who reported her. One of them, I'm, I'm pretty sure killed himself. And I know uh, my friend Tyler, um, who I, you know, have gotten to know very well. We're about the same age and there's not too many whistleblowers our age. Um, so we bonded over all this. Uh, he thought about killing himself at many points. And I know what that's like. I have been there. I've been there more recently than I even like to admit. And, um, you know, that has nothing to do with politics, but yet she's doing the same thing. The kid in with the car accident had nothing to do with politics, but, you know, you can do that. Yep. And um, it's, it's really difficult. I mean, when you have the New York Times willing to participate in it, that's a whole new tier. Like buying videos on TikTok or buying accounts to like promote you on social media is one thing. But having like hooks or fangs into reporters at the New York Times, the way that like DeSantis has at some mainstream media outlets, um, Jake Tapper, is a whole other level of media manipulation. And that's usually reserved for very politically influenced, influential people, which I'm not. Um, the only people in the media who still defend me um, are the ones who know I'm telling the truth. And you know, that's true, like Chris Cuomo's and most of the people at CNN other than Jake Tapper and the Miami Herald and all the ones I mentioned earlier, um, because they've seen everything. And yeah. you know, I don't have to pay people or threaten people to tell my story because they know it's the truth. So mm -hmm. yeah, sorry. I've been rambling all day. I'm, no, I'm, it's important. I'm doing Q and A's with Josh Fox. I never get a word in. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody was able to tune in. We'll be doing more live events, but he's a great promoter of films and projects and why everything matters. And I like to discuss like the intellectualism of things. And, and so I'm just sitting there like, yeah, this movie's about me. So it's fun. It's about how like all of this is terrifying and awful all of the time and you should definitely watch it, but <laughs> God. yeah, I don't know. Hi. So anything else going on this week that you wanted to touch on? I mean, I think we did a pretty good like synopsis of, of the state of disinformation and, and how Twitter has just become an, a horrible cesspool for this type of harassment. And it's gotten worse um, too, so, especially over the last few weeks. I think maybe Elon Musk calling uh, Mark Zuckerberg a cuck, Zuck the cuck, might be a, a sign that things are very not good at Twitter. I kind of wish they had a whole reset button just to, like push so that the second that Elon Musk is out, they could just fix everything. Um, but I doubt that that's I, what would happen. I was going to say, and then like they're doing this cage match or whatever like oh god mark zuckerberg seems like he's quiet crazy and i'm pretty sure he would kill elon musk i mean he goes like hunting in the woods for like days at a time like foraging on berries and shit he's a weirdo 
he's a weirdo and i'm pretty sure he would just kill, like he has that look you know that vacant kind of vapid yet secretly smart lizard human look where i feel like he would just go complete psycho on elon musk and just so it sounds like you kind of want to see the cage match <laughs> no this, this whole toxic male like cock measuring thing with social media needs to stop um, yeah i i have zero desire to see two pasty white guys who are nothing but rich um fight and this is like coming like winner you know loser has to um disappear forever yeah that <laughs> has would to be surrender cool. their their social media empire uh, not to the other because god i don't want either of that to to a democratically elected uh board of its users Right. To like a co-op or something. Yeah. I just, it, yeah, it's, it's dick measuring, but it's like, I'm, I'm mildly offended as a former professional boxer that this is being entertained as a real thing. Um, Cause it's just going to be like them going. I don't know. Elon. Yeah. Elon's a little bitch, but I'm telling you, I think Mark Zuckerberg is hiding some skills. I once read about how his like big game hunting, because I'm very anti big game hunting. Um, and he did this weird interview, survivalist interview where he talked about how he only eats what he kills himself. And yeah, I'm telling you, man, the dude is, is, is weird. And I think he could handle himself. He, he I think he could do it. I, I wouldn't want to get into a cage match with Mark Zuckerberg. I would kick Elon Musk's ass, but so, I would not want to be in a cage match. Let me, let me say that I think I know that what they're going with this because I have a little bit of weird inside intel on this. Like there was Mark Zuckerberg is trying to pilot this thing where they're doing like fighting matches, UFC and boxing in the metaverse. So two weeks ago, there was a fight with Roy Jones, who's in his fifties and then a, a bodybuilder guy in his twenties in the metaverse. So like they were both in Miami and then they were fighting in the metaverse. Right. Um, and everybody thought it was horrible, uh, in a joke and, but it was, it was a whole thing. So I bet that that's what they're going to do. They're not going to like really go at it. They're going to do some stupid shit in the metaverse. God. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've been talking about fake things that will never happen forever. Um, this is your reminder that normally we do better deep dives on disinformation um i've been swamped with this movie launch which again you can support by going to any of my social media or josh fox's social media um you can search on kickstarter the deadline is august 4th we have to meet that fundraising deadline or the film does not get finished this fall and we really want this out in sundance i know josh wants his oscar he's been nominated for one in the past he's certain he's going to win this so let's make that dream come true for my friend of more than a decade um, it's also your opportunity to subscribe to this podcast. There are monthly yearly packages and you can do it for this show or for all of Sydney's amazing shows through Big Mount Media. Um, I'm, if I'm missing any plugs, Sydney's going to catch it right now. I'm going to say go ahead and check out all that we have to offer at Big Mouth Media at www.bigmouthmediafl.com. And you'll find more information about Whistleblower, the story of Rebecca Jones, by Josh Fox coming up as well as about the Kickstarter. And that is all for Misinformational from Big Mouth Media. And I've been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Beignet, along with the fighter, Rebecca Jones. We'll see you next time. <laughs> all right, guys.
Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.